Well, greetings, folks. Uh, today, I want to talk about uh, apologetics, a, a great discipline within the Christian community. And I want to talk to you today about what is good and what is troublesome to me. Let's get going. Hey, before we get going, would you do me a favor? Would you go ahead and hit the like button? Hit the subscribe on whatever platform we're on. You can be watching us on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, or Subsplash right on our uh, app. If you don't have our app, download it at thegatejacks.com. Uh, you can go there and you can click on a link for the thing or just go to your app store and look up for the Gate, ja the Gate Church of Jacksonville and you'll find us there. Look for that Gate logo and that would be great for us. Um, also, you go to lewisdcn.com and you'll find a bunch of product and stuff that I have prepared and I teach on there. Well, uh, I love apologetics. Um, one of the guys that I've, I watched a lot was Ravi Zacharias. I know he didn't end well, but you know, his wisdom in explaining some very difficult topics was fascinating. Um, you got Vody, you got other guys out there who are very disciplined in this thing. but And and I really feel that that is needed in the charismatic Pentecostal side because I think we're really bad with theology. I think that um, the gifts that we operate in, let's say the gift of praying in tongues and healing, stuff like that, doesn't necessarily confront the problem of having really bad theology. And uh, a lot of times I hear some really bad theology coming out of, let's say, that camp. And God never wanted it that way. Remember, God gave us <clears throat> apostles, prophets, and then teachers. He set in order these in the church this way, then pastors and evang or evangelists and pastors. And, you know, what's happened is we've gotten very divided. By the way, we're very carnal. We're very carnal. Uh, the church at all at whole is carnal. Um, we tend to like what we like and then criticize what we don't. And I happen to love apologetics. And I think the reason that a lot of Christians could do really better, especially in, um, uh, let's say, the charismatic arena, is to really learn theology, learn understanding why the blood, understand the cross. And, and the reason being is that I, I hear people not being able to explain the simplest terms of Christianity. And... Uh, not having a worldview of what is supposed to be transpiring for all of us. And and so I think that that would be a really good thing for a lot of people. And, you know, they do such good job where they explain why be born again and uh, creation and all that. I, I, amazing. Now, the problem I have with apologetics is the lack of the supernatural understanding of the gifts of the Spirit. They, they exclude them. They exclude tongues, prophesying. They, they exclude apostles and prophets, even though I guess they think that God has done away with the fivefold ministry. Um, they believe in pastors. They believe in evangelists. They're kind of evangelists. Um, they believe in teachers because most of those are teachers, but they, they discount the supernatural. Now, here's my rebuke to that. And you're bordering when you when you discount God as not being supernatural. If you if you make God in your own image and declare that the supernatural things of God are not doing today. God is not, you know, we make it that we get born again and somehow the first century church got born again and they received power <clears throat> okay, but somehow in the 21st century, there's no power. So the question would have to be, why, why did God stop displaying power? Now let, let's 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 think about this for a second. Did the Holy Spirit change? Jesus said, "Tarry on high, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high." And the Holy Spirit fell upon them. The first thing that happens is they prophesy. And people go, and I hear the apologetics say, well, that tongues was different because everybody heard them in their own language. No, the manifestation was different, but the filling of the Spirit was not. They prophesied and spoke in tongues. And you can find this throughout the book of Acts. This just wasn't, this wasn't just the apostles. Remember, 
There's 120 in the upper room. They're not all apostles in the upper room. There's 500 on the Mount of Jesus' ascension into, into heaven, and only 120 in the upper room, which coincides with 120 priests when Solomon's temple is built. And, and so uh, they're sitting there, and they get filled, and they start. So let's let's read it, and you tell me where, um, why this isn't for today. And I'm going to make a case for the supernatural. I'm not going to make a case for um, the apologetics because I think they do a great job of where they do a great job. And I think, uh, I love, by the way, I watch a lot of them. I get frustrated when they attack the supernatural because they don't understand it. It's clear. It's clear they don't live in a supernatural realm. They live in an earthly realm. They live in here. They live in what they can comprehend. Yes, they believe the Word of God is powerful. They believe it's supernatural, the Word of God. They just don't believe that supernatural has any, should have, have any transference to us being supernatural and doing the supernatural. So one of the things that Paul, well, let's go to, let's go to Acts chapter 2. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, because let's go back to Jesus. We might as well start with Jesus, okay? Um, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use my other Bible. I have, they're the same ones. They're actually written out exactly the same way. Um, I just have more notes in this one because it's an older one. And um, not that I need those, but I like having it. All right. Because let's, let's look at this, shall we? It says this. Verse 4, Acts 1, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. What is the promise of the Father? Which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, Holy Spirit is not an it. He is the third person of the Godhead. By the way, the Bible is not the third person. Third person of the Godhead is Holy Spirit, who who spoke to men who wrote down what he said. Okay. Therefore, when they have come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Which should really understand that Jesus had taken the kingdom away from Israel. He, he's prophesied, he told them that. And he said to them, It is not for yours to know times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, let me ask you something. Did the, did the apostles, the 12 of them, cover the whole ends of the earth? No. They went a long way, by the way. India, Asia, they got to a lot of places. Okay? But the earth kept on, the territories kept on expanding. And it was going to take more people than that. All right. Chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost. Now, what you have to understand is, Rhea says the day of Pentecost, it's 50. It was a holiday. By the way, if you study it out, Exodus 19, when God speaks to Moses from the cloud, he says, I'm going to speak to you from the cloud, that when they hear it, they're going to fear you and believe. That was the day of Pentecost. It is the same thing that happened in Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, where Jesus comes out of the water and it says, The Father spoke, this is my beloved Son, who I'm well pleased. Everybody there heard it. That wasn't like later on where it says, Jesus says, glorify it. And he says, I, I have glorified I will glorify it again. And it says, some people heard angels, some people said it thunder, but some people heard God. Okay, this is not that kind. This time, all those with John who are baptizing hear this from the Father. Why? Because Moses is a type. Jesus is the fulfillment. Okay? If they're both on the day of Pentecost. Alright? I want you to understand that. Even though it doesn't say it, we can infer it because God does things in patterns. And the day of Pentecost is also when the tithes start coming in in Chronicles and Hezekiah has a bring in the tithes. It starts in the third month and ends on the seventh. It goes from, listen, it goes from Pentecost all the way through, listen, all the way through to the feast at the end of the year. Or the middle of the year, actually. All right, so I'm a word guy. I'm a word guy. I love the word. 
I'm also a spirit guy. I love the spirit. I don't think they're ever in contradiction, even though the father over the years has said, hey, why do you believe that? <laughs> and he has confronted me on stuff I was taught, but wasn't accurate. Now, we could sit down and talk about a lot of things and see where I'm wrong. And I'm a humble guy in a way that, man, if you show me the word, I'm wrong. But you can't deny my experience. Like, I'm not going to deny encounters that I've had with God for you because you haven't had any. See, one thing the Bible doesn't do. Listen to what the Bible doesn't do. <clears throat> the Bible doesn't try to prove things false. The Bible reveals Christ. And compared to it, those things are false. It reveals truth. It reveals the kingdom. Everything up against that, side by side, you can tell which one's of the kingdom, which one is not. It doesn't try to list you everything that is false. It mainly lists everything that is true. And then you could compare. All right. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, it doesn't sit there and say that the sound was caused by wind. The sound was like a mighty rushing wind. Now, could have been breezy. You got 120 people in up room, windows are open. It doesn't say. And I'm not going to infer either way because the Bible doesn't specifically say. Now, maybe you can look up the Greek. And this is where I love the apologetics. They look up at the Greek and they go, oh, the Greek word. I love that. Okay. I love that about apologetics. I love it. But the thing that apologetics, and I wish apologetics would do, is they have problems with Bill Johnson and Heidi Baker and all these people, all of us who work on the miracle glory side, they have a problem with. Why don't you just humble ourselves, come together and go, hey, where can we find the place of agreement? Because I really believe everyone is out to bring their best. The problem is that we've just separated our gifting. And when we separate our gifting, we, we get tribal. Whenever you get tribal, so here's the apologetic camp, here's the charismatic camp, here's the Pentecostal camp, here's the Baptist camp, here's the Lutheran camp. Whenever you get tribal, you're in danger of tribalism. And tribalism is defending your tribe. And if you get into tribalism, be careful because Paul warns you get into cannibalism. Christians biting other Christians. Okay, and it's really dangerous. That's why we try to devour each other. And it's not really godly. By the way, I don't I can't think of anything that's more demonic to God for a Christian than to divide his body. Paul said actually mark those who cause division and avoid them. So we shouldn't have this division. We should actually lean on each other's strength. Like I should be able to go, hey man. I had this encounter. Can you help me look the scriptures up and really understand this? Without them going, I don't believe in encounters. I don't believe in the supernatural. That, that, that shouldn't really be the mode, should it? All right. So when the sun came, mighty rushing wind, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there are more than 12 languages spoken here. The, the, they were not speaking. Listen, they weren't. we have no evidence that they were speaking the language that the people heard. It says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when a sound occurred, a multitude came together, and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Okay, the supernatural sign of tongues does not correlate with the supernatural sign of them hearing their own language. In other words, that's not, those are two different manifestations. One is they got filled with the Spirit and spoke in other tongues. Heavenly languages, Paul called them. Angels, the tongues of angels, he called it. Okay? I don't know why you want to deny this, because the apostles all spoke it. Paul, a lot of these people think they're they're like Paul the Apostle, except Paul did miracles. And Paul ex exhorted us, ex you know, uh, commanded us to actually lust after the spiritual gifts and that you may prophesy. And he said, I speak in tongues more than all you all. And somehow we extracted a Paul said tongues aren't for today. It's silly. 
Silly. All right. And we're going to see why the supernatural is important. All right. Now, <clears throat> verse 7, Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Now, by the way, uh, rabbinical writings reveal that on the day that Moses, that God spoke the commandments to Moses on the mountain, that everyone heard in their own language. The misunderstanding that I even had for a while was that all the Jewish people, all the Israelites that came out of, came out of Egypt, all spoke one language, and that's not true. Some were raised amongst the Egyptians and never spoke, didn't speak Hebrew. There was different dialects in their own camps. There was also, remember, some Egyptians with, with them and other people with them. Everyone, they wrote this down in their writings, that everyone heard in their own language. That's stunning to me because, again, type, type. Type, shadow, fulfillment. Type, shadow, fulfillment. All right. And I didn't know that until about a year and a half ago. Okay, just to be honest with you, I, uh, Nehemia Gordon, uh, uh, I was watching some of his stuff, and he spoke about it. He's not a theologian. He was just going through some of the understandings of Pentecost, and it was very fascinating to me. All right. Parthians and Medes and uh, Alamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, I know I'm saying some of these wrong. Uh, Pontus and Asia. And he keeps going, right? Let's just go down. So they were all amazed, perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they're full of new wine. See, listen to me if you're an apologetics and you discount tongues. You're mocking God. And I want you to really caution yourself. It's okay you don't understand it. That's fine. That is absolutely fine. Humble yourself and, and pray. And seek Holy Spirit. Seek the Father. Say, I, this, this is what happened to me when I got saved. See, I came, I came up, I was growing up Catholic. Uh, we didn't read the Bible. So when I got saved on December 4th, 1989, Russ Cochran, the assistant pastor, because the head pastor was out of town, took me into the office and he said, this is God's holy word. It is truth. Everything in this book is true. Read it every day. And so I do. And so now I'm newly saved and I'm reading. I already read the Bible twice, all the way through as a heathen. Twice, because I was looking for who is God. Okay, I didn't recognize Jesus because it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal him. Right? It actually takes the Father to reveal the Son. No one knows the Son except whom the Father reveals him to. And the Father eventually revealed him. It was like six weeks earlier that, that I was at a meeting and someone revealed it and my eyes were open to Jesus. And I just didn't know what to do. So for six weeks, I was praying my best I could. I was meditating. I was thinking, I don't know what to do. I'm a Catholic. I don't know what to do with this, but I know it's Jesus. I know Jesus is the one. And so I went to that Baptist church that we were attending. And you go, why Baptist? My wife was a PK. She's a Baptist preacher's kid. It was easier for me, since I didn't know anything, to follow her than her take it to Catholicism, which I was not convinced at all that Catholicism was the right way. So we went to this Baptist church. And I didn't get saved in the Baptist church, per se. I got saved in my living room. I just needed someone to teach me to pray. And we prayed in that office that day. But he told me this was true. And when I got to the book of Acts, about three months later, I'm reading the book of Acts. I'm praying into it. I'm going... I didn't have that experience. And I started seeking out. So I called a church that believed in the Holy Spirit and his gifts. And I called them. And John Rumbach met me at the church on a Thursday night. And goes, I got a key for the lobby. We'll go in there. We'll pray. I'll pray where you lay my hands on you for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And he did. And I received the Holy Spirit and started praying in tongues. Now, you could sit there and say, that's gibberish. You can't take it away from me. See, here's the problem. The one who has encountered Holy Spirit is not subject to the one who has not encountered him. It's like telling me healing and miracles aren't for today. Should I list off the thousand of miracles that I've seen? From cancers, to blindness, to deafness, to lameness. 
one of my greatest miracles that I've that the Lord used me in, which I laugh at because I don't even know. The only thing I said was, bless him, Jesus, was in India where I'm just praying for all the children as quick as I can. And as I as I put this one child down, because they were lifting him over, and I was grabbing him, I was going, bless him, Jesus. Bless him, Jesus. Bless him, Jesus. The pastor starts screaming because the kid I put down, who's standing next to me, was lame from birth. And now he's standing next to me. And I got a picture with him. You can't take that away from me. You can never take that away from me. Now you go, well, well, you didn't pray any great prayer. No, but they knew I was just releasing blessing. Well, blessing over him was him being healed. All right. You can't take that away from me. You could try. You could explain it away. But you can, you're not going to take that away from that young boy either who got healed by Jesus. He didn't get healed by me. No one's saying that I healed him. But I was a co-laborer with God in praying. I was obedient to pray. I was just in Italy. And one of, one of my, just watching the face of someone getting healed is so much fun to me. And when you, when you, this lady had a, a claw hand. She couldn't, she couldn't fold her hand up. She goes, I can't, I, I can't do this. And this, now she's speaking through a interpreter. And they all knew about it. They all knew she had this paralysis in her hand. She couldn't move it. And so I said, well, you've got to make the meatballs. How do you make the meatballs? She goes, with this, no, you need both hands. you got to make the meatballs. She laughed. And I started to pray for her. And the Lord said, it's a pinched nerve in her spine and her neck. And I reached around. And I said, it goes now in Jesus' name. And she went like this. Hand was completely loose. Now, I didn't heal her. But I did not heal her. What do you mean by that? God gave me the honor and privilege of co-laboring with him. And as far as God's concerned, that is credited to my account. I know, look at me and Jesus both know I couldn't do it without Jesus. We both know that. We both know that. You know what Jesus didn't say to the apostles when they came back? When they said, even the demons obeyed us in your name? Jesus didn't go, hey, it wasn't you, it was me. He didn't do that. He said, okay, don't just rejoice in that. Rejoice in that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And, and that's my greatest joy. That's why Paul says, I'll labor and I'll, I'll, I'll boast in the cross of Jesus. Okay? It's not that I did. I can't do it on my own. But his Holy Spirit in me, the Word of God in me, can produce it. I can't, I can't do it every time. I wish, I wish everyone I prayed for was healed. I really do, because I hate standing in front of someone and them just, I tell them, if you didn't get healed, it's probably because you got me. And I just, my, I just didn't move the spirit. I, and you go, well, Lou, Lou, why would God do that? I don't know. I don't question him on what he doesn't do. I, I just try to get better. I just try to get better, more in tune with him, more, more one with him. Even the apostles had trouble with the man with uh, epilepsy. And Jesus said it was their unbelief. And so even in my faith, sometimes there's an element of unbelief in there that could be blocking it. And I'm willing to accept that weight and then go before God and go, forgive me, help me, go after this more. Amen? I want you to understand that. I want you to understand that. that that's the part that you want to understand. You want to be able to go, well, this explains it. There's some things that are mysteries. Look, the secret things belong to the Lord. That which he has revealed belongs to us and our children. Deuteronomy chapter 29, 29. We don't have all the mystery understanding. We don't know all mysteries like that. Okay? So it's important for us to understand that. All right. Now, they got filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 4, the house is shaking. I don't want to show Acts chapter 4 because I want to show chapter 8. When, the, when Peter, who's it? No, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Chapter 6. Because one of the other arguments I hear from apologetics is miracles are only for the first, for the original apostles. Okay. Well, that's 11 because one's dead. Okay. So let me show you miracles done by those who weren't original apostles. Now you might go, well, Paul was, Paul was the replacement. Well, let's show you where miracles were done by non 
apostles. In chapter 6 of the book of Acts, when they're accused of not feeding the Hellenists, uh, they choose for themselves seven men. And you know this, you've read this, we don't have to go through all this. And, and, and so now it says that the disciples, the number of disciples, this is the difference too. And this is why I love apologetics, but we lack it a lot of times in the charismatic church, and that is discipleship. Not look at, not just discipleship in the word, but in the spirit. I train up people by bringing them into my life and teaching them by my life, teaching them how uh, and all the stories I tell. We go through the word a lot, trust me. But it's also, hey, this is what I encountered when I was praying, and and this is what I learned in that moment. That the revelation of Jesus, how he works in this moment. All right. But it says this in verse 8. And Stephen, he's one of the seven, right? We find him up there. He's he's actually the first one mentioned in Acts 6, 5. Okay? And saying, please, the whole multitude. And then he chose Stephen, a man full of faith and Holy Spirit. Now, here's my other issue. I don't believe you have the Holy Spirit when you're born again. I don't. The Bible doesn't declare it anywhere. Now, you might say it does. It does not. And I'm going to show you that in a second, but it does not say that. Okay? You go, well, you're born again by the Holy Spirit. No, you're not. You're born again by the incorruptible seed, the Word of God, coming in you in his life. That is caused by Holy Spirit, but does not mean the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in you. There's no scripture that says every Christian who gets born again automatically has the Spirit. The apostles didn't believe it, and I'm going to show it. Okay, I'm going to show it here. Let's just move along here. But verse 8, 8, Acts 8, 8, it's Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Wait a minute, I thought that was just for the apostles. But let's go further. Let's go further. Let's go to chapter 8. And Philip goes down to Samaria. Now, Philip is an evangelist. We know this later on, but he's one of the seven. This is not Philip the apostle. This is one of the seven. Okay? Why, why do we know this? Because later on, they're going to call for the apostles, and Philip was one, and he wouldn't have to call for them. Okay? All right. It says, Therefore, those who were scattered whenever we're preaching the word. That's a big importance. But Philip went down in the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Now, Christ is not just Jesus' last name. He's the anointed one. He spoke about the Holy Spirit, the anointing upon Jesus. He preached by the Spirit. All right. That's why we hear about it. Listen. And the multitudes of one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now, wait a minute. He's not an apostle. How can he be doing miracles? He's not one of the twelve. How can he be doing miracles? How? And he says, For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed, and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Okay, let's go down to verse 14. We got, we're going to skip over Simon the Saucer, um, who sees that um, all, the, all, all these believers now are being baptized into Jesus. They're being baptized into Christ. In other words, they're getting dunked. And by the way, you need to be submerged, okay? You need to be submerged, not sprinkled on Catholicism. You need to be dunked when you believe, not when you're a child. Okay, I think me and the apologetics will agree on that. All right. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought they already had it. They're born again. They've been baptized in water. No. No. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. How they know they received it? Well, most likely they prayed in tongues and prophesied. Well, let's go see now. Okay, so now we're gonna go. I just want to. I just want to say this because we're talking about. Well, it has to be the original twelve apostles, and after that it ceased. And if I can prove to you that it wasn't just the twelve apostles, and that there were more apostles than the twelve, 
we can refute an argument that says there was only 12 apostles. Okay? So we have a problem here. <laughs> and the problem being that we think there's only 12 apostles. And this is a great problem. Now, Sylvanius and Timothy are possible. That's where I'm going to go. I, I want to I I ask you a question. Was James, the brother of Jesus, did he become an apostle? The Bible says yes. We'll get to that in a second. How about Jude? How about the other brother of Jesus? Jude. Was he an apostle? Because, you know, they wrote... They wrote the Bible. They wrote Scripture. Okay. All right, but let's go and see. Are they apostles? We got to see if there's only. We're going to see if there's only the original apostles. That's what we got to see. So we we need to have an open heart here because this is something that, um, you know, first they add Matthias. Okay, Matthias comes. Um, uh, becomes an apostle. Okay, he becomes the replacement for Ju for Judas. Okay, but um, let's go on and let's go down to okay, verse nine. It says, "But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles." Okay, now where is this at? Look at Galatians. Who does remember? We want to say we're going to see if if John or James is an apostle because he wasn't one. The he wasn't the eleven, he wasn't the twelfth, probably wasn't the thirteenth. So let's see if we can find evidence. Two. We'll find at least two. Let's find at least two witnesses in the Word of God that says that James was an apostle. Now he says this um, Galatians chapter one. I want to find it right here. Verse 18. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except for James, the Lord's brother. Hmm. Well, James is an apostle there. So let's go back. Let's look at Acts 15 because we want to see if there's, if there's another apostle. You know, is James an apostle? And... Obviously, you know where I'm going, okay, that James is uh, an apostle, and James is the one who gets up here in Antioch, and and he declares to them, um, then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men, okay, um, namely Judas, who was also surnamed Barnabas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren, and wrote his letter to them, okay, and this was done. I'm going to get up where it says James in here because James is in here as an apostle. And, you know, some people consider James the apostle of Jerusalem. And I, I hate, I hate when we, um, when we do that because I, I think when we, um, I don't know if he was, he certainly was recognized, um, he certainly was uh, recognized as a leader, one of the leaders. And probably, and you know, to be honest with you, probably so because, um, I remember, we got Galatians, says that he's an apostle. And now in uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 13, and after they had become silent, James answered. So James is amongst the apostles and elders. So now we have we have more apostles than uh, twelve. We're we're coming into some dangerous territory here with more apostles than twelve. We're 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 finding that maybe uh, there could still be apostles after the twelve because certainly it seems like um, uh, there were more. Okay. <clears throat> Listen to this. How about greet Adronicus and Junia? Junia is actually, by the way, this is going to get me in a lot of trouble, is actually a female. It's a female name. Uh, it says, listen, what it says, 
who are note who are of note among the apostles. Wait a minute, now we've got more apostles. What happened to the twelve? And we also have prophets in here. You got nine prophecies, nine prophetesses with Philip, Philip's daughter. Okay. Um, Philip's daughter in the book of Acts, his four daughters, prophesy over Paul. Now, how did that happen? Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 21. Now, he didn't say they were lay people. He didn't, when you say they're prophetesses, they are prophets. <laughs> so, it's so, uh, so, now look, this is, this is New Testament prophets. This is New Testament prophets. And so, I don't know why this is so difficult. It says, on the next day, this verse 8, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, remember from Acts chapter 6, he's one of the seven, and stayed with him. Now the man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Now I guess they don't And he stayed many days, and a certain prophet named Agabus came down. Wait a minute, it's a modern-day prophet. It's a modern-day prophet. It's not an Old Testament prophet. It's a New Testament prophet. We have a prophet now in the New Testament. What are we to make of that? Well, here's what we make of it. God still, his word is still true. That's what we make of it. He has modern days, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. Now, apostles are not writing scripture today. By the way, just so we understand something, let's just get this real. Paul didn't think he was writing scripture either. When Paul says all scripture is given for doctrine, he was pointing to Malachi and, and, and well, in the Hebrew, Malachi and right. So our Bible is Malachi and left. He was talking about the scriptures. He wasn't talking about his writings. He wasn't talking about the gospels. He was literally talking about the scriptures. Now, he explained because... They would, they would ask him, Paul, what about this? What about this? he said, now concerning this, he'd give understanding by the revelation of God what this is. And that's Scripture now. But he wasn't writing Scripture. We have determined it to be Scripture in the modern day church or in the New Testament church in AD 40, 400, said that it was going to be Scripture. Okay? But we, we have to understand that he doesn't think he's writing Scripture. He thinks he's writing a letter of admonishment to the church at Ephesus, to the Corinthians, to he's answering their questions. He doesn't have Facebook. He doesn't have mail. He does, you know, he doesn't have email. He doesn't have FaceTime. He doesn't have Zoom. You know, the way it worked is one of his disciples would come to him and say they have questions here in Corinth, and he'd read the questions and he wrote them a letter back concerning it. And we looked at it as New Testament scholars looked at it and went. That's at the elevation of canon scripture. Now, no one's doing that today. Okay, that's so... Apostles today are not writing scripture. Okay, but not all apostles wrote scripture in the New Testament. The way I thought those apostles wrote. How about Luke? Luke wrote a gospel. Luke's a physician. And he wrote two books. So, you know, this sometimes our... Our, our understanding is clouded by what we're taught. And I, I try to tell people this way, and I, I really do. These are, I need a new pair, because these are two and a half years old. And uh, I can I can, I can see the words, I just can't read them. Oh, there they are. Um, I can see you fine. I can, I can look at a distance, I'm farsighted, but um, I need that. All right, but they're, my glasses have some nice slick stuff to them. Number one, they're progressive. So because I'm always looking at a computer, I look down, I have one strength. My computer has a different strength. So I'm going down and I'm looking up. So I have progressive. The wall of progressives are is uh, bifocals without a line. That's all they are. Okay, so you don't have a line. It just gradually goes up. All right. 
but they're also transitional lenses. So when I go outside, if I was to go outside down the sun and come back, I'd have sunglasses on. Okay. When we're taught things and, and it's beaten into us, our glasses get our eyes get a tent to them. That when we read something, we're reading it with that tent. And sometimes that prohibits us from actually reading what it says. Because let's face it, we have teachers and scholars teaching us, and they're smart of us. We revere them. And we should have a reverence for elders and leaders and te- I, I I believe we should have honor for everybody, okay? Even when they're wrong, um, you know, even when the apologetics is wrong, I'm just telling you, I love the wisdom they carry in the wisdom they carry, but I don't think they carry all wisdom. I don't carry all miracle power, all healing power, all all wisdom. I don't I feel like I still have room to grow. But I'm still honored by the people who know me. But that honor doesn't mean they worship me. It doesn't mean they think I'm flawless. It doesn't mean they think I'm God. They honor. Because if you don't honor, listen to this, you will never receive from that which you don't honor. Okay? And when we don't honor the miracle workers, the Bill Johnsons, the the Heidi Bakers, the Chris Valentins, the uh, me, I'll throw myself in there. Um, those who are on that side of the camp, and you don't honor them, you're not going to see the miracles you could possibly see. Just like if I don't honor the apologetics, I'm not going to learn from what they're teaching. You have to have honor for who they are, but not stumble over who they're not. So I understand in apologetics that they're not the guys doing the miracle signs and wonders, but they have such great wisdom when it comes to some of the stuff in the scripture. They don't have all wisdom. But I love the fact they go to college campuses to have this debate. That's great for them. I don't have a debate. I'm going to tell you a story. <laughs> Fun story. You know, I'm a senior leader of a church. I had a, um, I had a, uh, one of our members asked me to come over to their son's house and their daughter-in-law's house because they wanted to know about Holy Spirit because she grew up not knowing Holy Spirit. The son recently got born again, okay, in our church, and but she didn't understand Holy Spirit. And she was really struggling with that. And I said, me and my wife sat there for 40 minutes, and we're like, I'm getting nowhere. And I said, this is confusing you. I said, yeah. I said, do you mind if me and my wife just pray for you? Just pray for you. She says, no, that would be good. So I, they were sitting on the couch, and the couch wasn't against the walls in the open. So me and my wife went and stood behind them. And I just prayed, and I said, Holy Spirit, would you just reveal yourself to them? And the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they were just drunk. And I know that's going to upset some people, but they seemed to be drunk. But they weren't drunk, as you suppose. And I, me and my wife prophesied over them. And I said, come tonight to church, and I'm going to put a team together. I'm not going to tell them anything that happened here. And I just want them to prophesy over you. And we did that. And they prophesied the same thing. I didn't, I'm telling you, didn't tell my team we even prayed for them. Now she got filled with the Holy Ghost and started praying in tongues. Her husband didn't. And on Tuesday night, she walks into the bedroom and he's sitting there praying and he's praying in tongues. The Holy Spirit just followed me and started praying in tongues. That whole family, by the way, God used me to watch the husband the father of the family, he got filled with the Holy Ghost in my ministry. Then his wife and her good friend got filled with the Holy Ghost in my ministry. And then their youngest son, after I was at, did a home group at their house for a couple nights and I came back down to Jacksonville, they wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning because he's in the bedroom praying in tongues. The Holy Spirit fell on him at 2 o'clock in the morning while he was praying and he got filled with the Holy Spirit started praying in tongues. Folks, it's real. It is real. Now, let's go one more place. Chapter 19 of the book of Acts. All right. Now, this is Paul when he's going to begin his ministry in Ephesus. And it's really dynamic. And it'll give us some revelation. Okay. So, Paul says, uh, verse 1, And it happened that Apollos was at Corinth, and Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. I love Paul's response to this. And he said to them, and to what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. In other words, if you were baptized into Christ, you should have heard about the Holy Spirit. Because that's what the disciples... Do you understand that the disciples were... That was the promise of... The, you know what we do today? We baptize people into Christ and tell them they're going to heaven. But we don't give them the promise of the Holy Ghost. We literally don't do what the apostles did. They didn't say, well, now you're in the family, you're going to heaven. They said, receive the promise of the new covenant, Holy Spirit. And they laid hands on them. That's what they did. Watch. <laughs> we have not so much as heard where there is a Holy Spirit. What were you baptized into? And they say into John's baptism. Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is, on Christ. Did you know you're not baptized in the baptism of repentance? That's John's baptism. That prepares the way for the Lord. You will repent coming to Christ, but the baptism you receive is the baptism into Christ. It's what they called it. They were baptized into Christ. Into his death and out into his likeness of resurrection life. All right. <clears throat> John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues. And prophesy. And the men were about 12 in all. The apostles believed in praying for the Holy Spirit to baptize. They were baptized. They received the Holy Spirit. They received them. Amen. Look. I love apologetics. I, I'm, I'll tell you why I applaud them. Vody and I, I, I'm sad what happened to Ravi, but some of Ravi's videos you need to go back and see because he didn't have wisdom. He just had a weakness. That's that's humanity. That's the that's the problem with who we are sometimes. Is that and of course it's a problem when you don't know about the Holy Spirit. I, I want you to know that. Christ loves Ravi. He loves all of us. And you really need to be immersed in God, in the Holy Spirit, in the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Not one or the other. That's not good. Both. We need both ministries. We need the miracle working power. And we need the, the um, apologetic wisdom of understanding the Word. Of how to be able to uh, present our arguments. Even though... I'd rather just pray for you than have you um, have an argument with you. In other words, if I can, I'd rather just, I don't want to teach you about healing if I can just pray for healing. You know, I, I've seen so many miracles. I was up in Boston a couple, you know, last month. I was up about a month ago. Um, actually, I left there a month ago. I was up in Boston the 21st, 22nd we ministered. And man, I remember praying for so many wonderful people getting healed. But this one that was like the, the little boy who got just drenched in Holy Spirit was just so precious to me. Such a precious people in Boston. Uh, they were Brazilian, Portuguese-speaking church, but revived community church. I, and, and Pastor Diego and Jan. I, unbelievable that Jane and, and, and Diego have there and such a fine, wonderful people. I so loved being with them. And um, man, that kid. But he stopped because this one lady I prayed for, now she had asked for a prayer for her shoulder or something. I prayed for that. But when she went down, she fell down the ground I, I and she started coughing. I just said, goes now. Just cast whatever that was out. I just felt my spirit at something. Well, she testified that she's a nurse, I think, is what she said. Because, you know, again, translation. Sometimes the translation's off. But I think this was that, because Diego was translating. 
It said that she's a nurse and she had swollen tonsils. Bad, like visibly swollen. She knew this because she had been, I guess, diagnosed. And when I said go, her tonsils shrunk down. She went and looked in the mirror and her tonsils were normal size and they had, the inflammation had gone. Now that shocked her. That's that's God. It wasn't me. Sometimes my I don't even know what I'm praying for. I'm just praying because you got so many people. But you have to ignore a lot of evidence about miracles to conclude that there are no miracles. You have to really work hard to do that. And that's why we isolate our camps and we say the other camp's evil. The other camp's not evil. They just bring another aspect of the kingdom. But if we can get the kingdom to stop this and come together, listen to me, we can stop fighting within the body. There won't be any challenge to us outside the body. But the problem always is we infight. What's America's problem? It's not a foreign enemy. It's the fight within. It's always a house divided cannot stand. Amen? Let's find the reasons to come together. Let's honor each other. Let's respect each other. Let's not compare our ministries to the other person and then go, well, I don't do that. That's amazing. Do what you do well. Do what God's called you to do well and recognize that God calls other people. Now, I agree. I, I absolutely agree with, you know, some people that say in the other camp that the charismatics need to work on character. A lot of them. We've got a lot of kids that come up and they, they're like shooting stars and then they fall because they don't have the wisdom. Okay. And, but we have a lot of, we have a really a lot of good ones too. And by the way, both sides have people that have fallen. So, um, so let's not act like everyone on the other camp is, you know, perfect either. Cause no one is, we, we're going to have ministers that are going to stumble and fall, but let's pray for them. Let's restore them in, in gentleness because otherwise we're going to be tempted with the same thing the Bible says. So we don't want to do that. Let's love each other. Uh, if we can actually unify instead of divide, there is nothing outside of the camp that could ever come against us. Amen. Let me pray for you right now. I want to pray that you will uh, encounter Holy Spirit. If I could, please. Because um, I'm not an apologetic, so I can't pray that for you. But I'm going to pray this. Father, just like the apostles there prayed for them to receive Holy Spirit, I pray right now, those who want it, those who are hungering for Holy Spirit, that they hear these words and you, Holy Spirit, that you, Father, send your Holy Spirit upon them, not a demon. They're not going to get a demon because you are a good Father. And the Bible says, and Jesus even declared, that the Father will give you Holy Spirit if you ask Him. So we have the assurance that you're a good Father and we're only going to get your Spirit. I thank you right now that you fill them with the Holy Spirit and that they have evidence of it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you. I love you. I know I'm going to get some really nasty feedback here. Keep it polite. If you get rude, we just, we to be honest with you, we just throw you off. It, it, there needs to be politeness and kindness. I'm not against apologetics. I'm not against those who don't believe in the Holy Spirit. I'm not against those who don't believe in tongues. Okay? I'm not against anyone in the body of Christ that way. So we're not going to make this an enemy warfare. Okay, so don't you do it. Just keep it pleasant. Keep it sweet. I'll talk to you later. You have a great day. God bless you.